Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with former TSN radio host Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. All right, welcome to another program, ladies and gentlemen. Oh man, spring weather is upon us. What do we have, 29 degrees on Thursday? That was crazy. But uh, yeah, nice to see the spring weather has arrived. A far contrast from where we were about a week ago with outages and minus three and freezing rain. So everybody in a good mood, except from the hockey perspective where the Sens season has come to a close with a 4-3 overtime loss in Buffalo. It did come with kind of a nostalgic silver lining. Former Senator Craig Anderson wins his final game in the league. The Sens had their final media availability yesterday morning. Among the things they talked about, Nick Holden is now gone. He will not be offered a new contract, some other things as well. Pierre Dorian reportedly telling staff members that he'll be back next season. And the Penguins fire their GM, who was hired five years after Dorian was hired in Ottawa. All still ahead today here on the program. My name is Steve Warren. And joining me, as always, is the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Things are great, Stephen. Good morning to you. It's uh, it's golfing weather. How uh, how ironic the senator season ends and we're getting our golfing weather. Yeah, I'd say so. It won't be long now. I'm sure we'll have some courses opening up across the region. It always seems like Calabogie is one of the early ones. I may even go up, up there and... Uh, I'm really, really jonesing for some golf this year. <laughs> anyway, let's get into things. Uh, the Sen season came to a close with that 4-3 overtime loss in Buffalo. They blew a 3-2 third-period lead. Not exactly how you want to finish a season, you know, particularly against a team who's probably going to be a real fierce rival over the next five years for the Sens. But uh, if there is a silver lining, it's that Craig Anderson, probably the greatest goalie in Sens history, Gets to walk off into the sunset, a winner. It was great. I thought it was cool. We we talked about this last week that uh, that it's uh, shaping up that maybe Andy would get the start for the final game, the final home game, and the last game against the Senators and everything. And it was pretty cool. And uh, it, it's kind of become the norm now in the NHL that opposition teams show respect for for players in their last game, opposition players in their game, last games like that, or. Uh, there was another referee the other night who did his last game, and the players all lined up. I thought that was pretty cool, but this was special because, of course, it was the Senators. So, the team that, uh, as you said, he was he's their all time leading goaltender in all the statistical categories and the best goalie the organization's ever had. It was a nice moment uh, after what would be a sad moment for the Senators <laughs> ending their season with another loss. Casey Middlestad ends up getting your game winning goal. It was kind of interesting to see. I mean, how Anderson's ingratiated himself to his Sabre teammates after only two seasons, 50-some games with the club. Middlestat scores that goal in OT, and everybody ignores him. Everybody <laughs> sprints the length of the ice to congratulate Craig Anderson on uh, on his final victory, final game, and a great career, obviously. But it was a, it was interesting to see Middlestat kind of waiting for all uh, you know, the accolades you normally get when you score a big overtime goal in the NHL. And then he goes, oh, oh okay, gotcha. We're all going to say hi to Craig and uh, and congratulate him. So kind of interesting. And, and it was a we didn't really know if Craig Anderson was packing it in officially. We all suspected it, as you mentioned. We talked about it on the show as uh, something to be a real nicety to end the year. But, uh, I mean, everything that happened after the game was over, spoke volumes that uh, he was absolutely going to pack it in. He would confirm it in the, you know, in the press room afterward. But, uh, you know, all the Sens came over and gave him the big hug. 
And did you know there's only like three? Did give you an idea of the actual it's turnover four. on this team? It's four. Oh, there's four. Yeah. I only had three that uh, played for the Ottawa Senators with Craig Anderson in Ottawa who faced him in that game. Oh, in that the game. There you go. Because Shabbat wasn't in the game. Correct. Yeah. 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 Three guys, and they were the first. Uh, well, first you had Kachuk come over and give him the hug. He's one. Then was Drake Batherson. He's number two. And I think number four or five was Eric Brandstrom who rolled in. And even, you know, there's even that neat connection between Cam Talbot and Craig Anderson, yeah, right? I, I was thinking about that too. Yeah, you go back to that unbelievable wild 2016-17 season, you know, conference final, Masterton Trophy, but that special night in Edmonton early in the season when Anderson had gone away in a, uh, a leave of absence to be with his wife, Nicole, who was battling cancer. He comes back. He plays his first game in Edmonton, sends win 2 nothing, and it's Talbot, who's at that point playing for the Oilers, who's named the second star of the game because he was great in that game too. But the number one star is Craig Anderson, who got the shutout, and he's teary-eyed. And how cool was that of Cam Talbot to be out there uh, standing and applauding Anderson as he was named the first star. Um, so that was a pretty cool moment and kind of full circle there as uh, Talbot playing potentially his final, probably his final game as a senator uh, with a big hug for Anderson, who's playing his final game of his career. Is it his final game? Uh, that'll be interesting to see. We, we've talked about the goaltending off and on, but uh, yeah, it was cool. I, and you took the full circle word right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was thinking to see him there. And yeah. I, I, it was, it, you know, the senators didn't have to dress him. Don't they still have somebody else still around? Is he's not even a hundred percent? I thought he was done anyway. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, is it his final game though? You brought that up. Should we get into that too? <laughs> well, I think so. He didn't. Uh... He didn't close the door on it. Talbot said at the media availability on Friday, he would never say never, but it looks pretty clear that the two sides are going to go in different directions. doesn't seem like, because he's the coolest guy, like he's really laid back. doesn't seem like Talbot's got a chip on his shoulder, you know, for basically being benched for kids the last four or five games of the season when he was healthy. And it wasn't like Sogard had a fantastic game in Buffalo either. So there's probably a little frustration from a 10-year veteran like that. But, uh, no, I do think that uh, they will part company, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I, they're done. I, I think that the and, – and the funny thing is it's going to be the, the dollar amount probably. And uh, like like we talked about earlier in an earlier show, uh, at earlier in the season, the Senators were interested in bringing him back and tried to open discussions with him. And, and Talbot was interested too. And it just kind of – kind of faded with his poor play over the course of the year. If he wants to come back for one year or, or maybe two max at a figure that's around, I don't know, a million, a million two, up to a million five, then they would certainly think about it. But uh, I, I, as it stands now, the Senators probably want it to be far less years and far less money than what Talbot's looking for. He had three good long spells on the injury list this year. And I think most of the... I don't know, most of the fan base that kind of gives up on Talbot, it started around the time where Forsberg got injured. And to me, the fact that Forsberg was out and you know Talbot was trying to come back from injury in and around that time as well, I have a feeling he maybe pushed it too soon. He talked about it, I don't know, about a week ago and, and said something along the lines of, hey, I uh, never felt like I got on track here. 
Um, it just always seemed like I was just starting to feel it and then something, you know, would happen again and, uh, really never got in a groove this season. So there is a possibility that you can write off a, a lot of that second half of the season after Forsberg got injury, uh, got injured to Talbot's injuries. And, um, and maybe there's still more in the tank there. When you watch Craig Anderson last night getting a W against his old team and he'll be 42 next month, should we be writing off a 35-year-old? So long as he's taking care of himself, he might have a lot of hockey left. Who knows? Yeah, I, I just can't help thinking that there's there, there are other options out there. And uh, if I learned anything from last summer, the summer of Pierre, maybe in the summer of Pierre too, he's going to lock up to Brinkett, take care of Sanderson, acquire a goaltender, fix his bottom six. There's all kinds of things that on the list for Pierre to get to this summer. Uh, I, I, I think they'll be able to find somebody if that's indeed the route they want to take, which I think we all agree is the route they should be taking. Somebody else needs to come in here. It's not quite ready yet to turn it over to the two kids. No, I don't think Sogard is ready for the NHL yet. A lot of people think he can be the backup next season. And I think I want to preface my comments by understanding that he is just 22 and he's played as a pro, Greg, only the equivalent of about one season, like 84 games played combined between the AHL and the NHL. So I think he is doing a fantastic job and his development looks very good right now. But I mean, in that Buffalo game, he was unbelievable in places, but oh my God, leaky in others. So I, I, I don't feel like I'm that comfortable with him as a, a backup at this stage of the game at 22. So we'll see how it goes. I, I fully believe Forsberg is obviously under contract. I, I'm happy with him as one of the two guys. I really do. As we mentioned a couple of shows ago, I really think they have to go shopping for somebody. If it's not, uh, if it's not Talbot, it's got to be someone uh, who's going to upgrade uh, on what Talbot can deliver at this stage. I don't know who that is at this point, though. Yeah, that's the t- that's the big uh, what four million dollar question. <laughs> who's yeah. who's a, who's an upgrade, and and will it be someone who is older and short term, or will it be somebody who is younger and on his way, or already established, and he's the long term guy? Like, there's nothing stopping them from finding somebody through trade or free agency or whatever, finding someone who's good for four or five years. It doesn't necessarily have to be an older guy, sort of like a bridge between now and the days of Sogard and Marilinen. So it, it, that's an internal decision that needs to be made, and we'll see how – what who. Well, well, actually, first got to see who even gets to make that decision. That will be the interesting question that needs to be resolved first, probably. Yeah. All right, more on the Sens and Sabres coming up in a moment. The uh, Sens season has come to a close. We will hear what DJ Smith, Tim Stutzla, and Brady Kachuk had to say after the game. And uh, more on the Sens final media availability from Friday morning. It's all coming up after these words. Jim K. Ford has been serving Ottawa since 1982, one of the longest-running dealerships in the entire city. They've always been family-owned and operated, and their amazing team of professionals from sales to service is constantly training and improving to provide you with the best possible customer experience. And, of course, they're always ready to say yes. Check out JimKFord.com or visit them at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! ADSS Global is your trusted partner for all your accounting and financial management needs. 
Our team of certified Sage 300 experts will help you streamline your financial operations, optimize your cash flow, and improve your bottom line. We have the solutions. Hear what one of our satisfied customers has to say. The Algonquin Students Association has been with ADSS for over 10 years. Mark and his ADSS team are reliable and respond quickly to our requests and needs. Call ADSS Global today at 613-221-5950 or email mcashman at adssglobal.net. Send season ends with a 4-3 overtime loss in Buffalo. A lot of it was about Craig Anderson after the game, quite obviously. Uh, but looking at the game itself, there was uh, there was some interesting stuff like For example, Tim Stutzla, as the Sens tried to get their 40th win, he was trying to get his 40th goal. Didn't come, but he did get his 90th point. That, Greg, is the sixth best scoring performance of any Ottawa Senator in history. Tied for sixth. That is pretty damned impressive for a guy who's not only 21 years of age and just turned 21, I think, in January, but I also saw him in the news conference, uh, not the news conference, the uh, the intermission interview, and it looked like he might have had a, a shoulder harness on his right shoulder, so maybe he's not playing at 100% on top of everything else. Uh, another shoulder, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> but uh, uh, long off season to deal with that, but what a season, what an eruption from a developmental standpoint for Tim Stutzler this year. And I don't know that any of us would have said 90 points. I think even the, the biggest Tim Stutzla fans w- wouldn't have gone that high. I, I I think both of us were thinking he was going to be around 80, maybe as much as 85, but I don't know that anybody would have called for 90. Uh, really good season, continues to develop. And, yeah, I saw that thing around his shoulder too, and then I, I thought maybe it was just an ice pack with a, with, with a wrapping on it or something, hopefully. But I guess we'll find out more on Monday with the big – press conference from Pierre but um yeah what a great season it just bodes so well for the future you know even if Claude Giroux comes back at at 80 percent of what he was this year uh that'll be good enough for me thank you because you could add in and Josh Norris you still got Stutzla obviously you still got Kachuk Batherson's back uh the top six looks looks set uh, to brink it, we now know we'll be back in one way shape or form just the bottom six needs some shoring up and Everything bodes well for the future. It just sucks that they couldn't couldn't make the playoffs. Like even a first round exit would have been really, really, really good this year as far as development and moving forward. Yeah, I think if they'd stayed fully healthy, uh, yeah. they probably would have gotten there. Like you look at the improvements, like the Sens, I think were something like twenty seven points out of a playoff spot. Some of that goes to the fact that you know Boston and Washington, who were the wild card teams last year, were really, really good. I think they were. They might have both been in triple figures, whereas the Sens were 73 points. This year, they were only six points out of a playoff spot. So that represents improvements. But you see the improvements individually across the board. There are so many, uh, and Stutzla is certainly one of them. And even, you know, Claude Giroux, you mentioned him, a a career high in goals. Who saw that coming Mm -hmm. at uh, age 35? 35 at 35. So that was pretty damn impressive. I don't know. Do you think that goal should have counted last night? It was one of those deals where... Kachuk makes a pass toward uh, Giroux, and it, it's just too far off the stick blade, and he just kind of redirects it with his foot, kind of kicks. I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was, you know, like if there was a kicking motion where it was toward Craig Anderson and the Buffalo net, okay, maybe you have an argument, but it looked like any kicking motion was more toward the benches than anything, so I thought it was a good good call. That's that's a goal every day of the week. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it a kicking motion? Yeah, he was trying to kick it up to his stick. 
Agreed. Basically turned his foot to try to take the pass off the foot onto his stick so he could shoot it. That's a goal every day of the week. Not not, not a problem with that call at all. Didn't like the the first two that uh, Sogard gave up, but uh, had no problem with Giroux's. One call about Giroux that I continue to not like is DJ Smith not using him to start the three-on-three overtime. No, he's not going to win them all, but he's hovering near 60% in face-offs for his career and for this season as well. He is their best face-off man. And we saw last on Thursday night how huge the face-off is. So you got Kachuk out there, who's not bad. He's just not the best. Why wouldn't you have your best guy out there? And, and, and by the way, also way more defensively sound than Stutzla or Kachuk are. So if you lose it, you're still in pretty good shape. I just don't understand why Claude Giroux wouldn't start on the power play one and in the three-on-three overtime, because if you watch that game against Buffalo on Thursday night, the Sens lose the draw, and they never got another opportunity. to. They had zero possession time as the uh, as the Sabres scored about two minutes into the OT. Does that make sense to you? Why, why not Why not have Claude Giroux taking the face-offs on power play one and also in the overtime? I'm glad you brought it up. I thought the same thing because Giroux had taken some draws in overtime. He'd done some, some face-offs in overtime and then jumped off the ice. Because DJ likes to start with Stutzel and Kachuk. Okay, fine. But was giving Giroux the face off. And then last night did not. And it was, what, it was a minute and a half or more. I had the same thought you had. They never touched the puck. And it, possession is everything in overtime. Even to be able to make a line change. You don't you don't possess the puck. You don't even get to make a line change. Buffalo can, no problem. They just leave the zone, go back for a little loop-de-loop in their own zone, let the three guys get off, and away they go right back at her. It was a little frustrating. I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, I was at the uh, at the game the other night at uh, the game they won against Carolina, and it was all closure all the time that night. And he got the thousand points. But one of the things I noticed was how frequently DJ Smith was firing him out there on the penalty kill to take those faceoffs, and as soon as they cleared the zone, off the ice immediately. Right? He just yeah. so he's, he's. I mean, there's been a history of utilizing him in that role. So it made no sense to me. Uh, why he continues to not be on the top power play. He's been one of their best offensive guys, and he wins faceoffs. So, I don't know. Anyway, move on. Moving on, DJ Smith did talk to the media, and uh, after the Sabre game, he was you know disappointed to lose in the final game of the year, but he was also proud of his troops for not laying down from the moment the Sens were mathematically eliminated. Speaks volumes of the group. Um, you know, from the moment we're eliminated, we got five or six points. Um, we didn't just lay down, and uh, we didn't come here to lay down. We had every opportunity to win. Obviously, we're not, you know, you'd like to finish the year on a win, but um, I'm happy the effort the guys gave. And there were some tired guys in there. There's some guys that played a lot of minutes here in the last probably eight weeks. They played some important games, um, and they know how hard it is to win every night. Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't always get the result we wanted, but I thought, um, you know, we played hard. We had, we had You know, we outchanced teams a lot in the last month. Um, you know, some bounces may not have gone our way, but um, to a man, the effort from the leadership on down um, was consistent. So this sends head coach DJ Smith after the loss in Buffalo. I guess you can, you know, I, I don't I don't disagree with anything he said there. It is good that they didn't just mail it in after that and uh, and that they didn't lay down and they got five of six points after the point that they were mathematically eliminated. Small victories, I guess. And uh, I guess the question becomes now is, uh, has DJ Smith, I mean, 
we've already established that we think there should be a coaching change, but let's talk in reality now and what the organization might end up doing. Do you believe that DJ Smith has actually coached his final game as the Ottawa Senators head coach, or will he be back for the next one? <sighs> this is another one of those, what would I do versus what do I think is going to happen? Uh, I, you know what? I can see both of them being back. I can see both DJ and Pierre being here because I can see by the time new people come in, uh, well, it's off season for one thing, like unless they're going to jump in here and immediately start conducting interviews with players and staff and trying to get some, the lay of the land, they're going to want to see these guys perform. Uh, and, and I just, I can see everybody's being back next year because I don't think Pierre Dorian is going to fire DJ Smith. It's going to have to be the new ownership group, either firing both of them or telling, telling Pierre to fire DJ. I think they're both going to be back, Steve. I, I don't necessarily agree with it. And I know you don't, but that's, that's the way I can see it. I can see that unfolding back to the Sens and the season that was. Brady Kachuk had some things to say uh, about the season and kind of assessing everything that went down. I mean, with all the adversity we faced with whether it was, you know, injuries and stuff like that, which, I mean, it's a part of the game, but uh, and it's definitely no excuses. But, uh, yeah, I mean, of course you can always go what if for the difference in six points, but, no, I guess just it wasn't meant to be this year. But it's just um, no, we took a lot of steps. We got so much better. We're, we're confident now in these types of games where um, – their must-win games. It's the, the experience that we learned down the stretch is uh, something that's going to really help us on the road. But I think what's the most valuable lesson that we learned is, you know, with that stretch, it's you can't get too high, too low. Look, big picture. You just got to focus on the game. And I think, you know, at the start, it was all new experience for us. I think we were riding that high, and, and when things were tough there, that road trip uh, out west, I think we we're you now kind of going the lows too. So, um, but towards the end there, we we're just. All right, played well, left all out there, won, focus on the next game. And, and I think that's what's it's probably the most valuable experience that we learned throughout this whole process is, is just no matter how it was yesterday, it's always a new day, and it's just let's get back to work, get back to our game. Ms. Brady Kachuk assessing the Sens season. More than that, I liked his uh, reference to Tim Stutzler, calling him in the media scrum after the game the most outrageous human in the world. <laughs> it seems to be like an inside gag between the two of them that every time he's asked about Stutzla, he says something that Stutzla did was outrageous or he is outrageous. Um, when in fact, he doesn't seem to be all that outrageous when you get down to it. But uh, it is it is a neat kind of a relationship that uh, Kachuk and Yeah, and they're, and they're just, they're the odd couple. Like you couldn't have two more different characters, both as personalities go and, and the way they are on the ice. It's nice to see, right? We, we've said all along, this is a really tight group. Yeah. They get along with each other. They like each other, respect each other, care about each other. And it and, and age doesn't seem to matter. Like It's it's quite evident that Claude Giroux loves the two kids he plays with. That Travis Hamannick is eating it up. Uh, Nick Holden, unfortunately, not going to be here anymore, but he, he loved being around the guys. The guys loved having him around. Yeah. You know, Austin Watson is, is another one of the older guys who seem to fit right in with the young kids. They're a really good group, really tight group, and uh, it just it, it's it's I can't I can't underestimate it. Nobody can can underestimate it enough how important that is. And I think in the past, maybe we didn't realize it at the time, but in the past there were teams here that weren't quite that tight. And eventually things come out. You find out about some crap that was going on behind the scenes, and you you find out that yeah, they, there wasn't quite the cohesive unit that we thought they were. This time, the, this team really is tight. This is good to see.
Yeah, and I think even though there's millions of dollars on the line, these guys are pay, being paid a king's ransom. They have more going to have more money than their great grandkids will know what to do with. But you still, at the end of the day, to be successful in the sport of hockey, you can't be in a state of coming to the rink, hating going to the rink, or it's just a job and it's a grind all the time. I think you are a better hockey player if you're enjoying the sport. How do you feel about that? For sure. Again, same with anybody in any job. If you don't like your job, it affects your performance. If you dread going to work, it affects your performance. If you are uh, so perturbed with certain coworkers that you have to put up with at work every day, day in, day out, you're not going to do as good a job. Everything affects your performance. So if if you are uh, happy, uh, like the group you're working with, like your superiors, then things are good. Things should be better. And I really, truly believe that's the case here. Here's what Tim Stutzla had to say. He was asked about uh, if he was happy to hit 90 points, the sixth best scoring performance by any Ottawa Senator in a single season in the club's history. He was asked about the 90 points and about the season that was. Yeah, I mean, um, it definitely feels good. But uh, in the end, the the games before the last three games, I wasn't really playing the way I wanted to. And um, I got to be better there. And um, I'm I'm really, really happy with uh, how the group played. And um, everybody before the season was saying um, we want to play meaningful games until the end of the year. And I think that's what we did. We we played hard every every night. And um, with all those injuries we had, I think we can be really proud of of the way we played uh, throughout the whole year. So there's Sen Center Tim Stutzla, and uh, yeah, obviously a terrific season, a complete eruption in terms of his development and offensive numbers. I want to change gears, though, and as I mentioned, Pierre Dorian reportedly told staff members this week that he'll be returning for the coming season. It was Brent Wallace that tweeted that out this week. He had a conversation, I guess, with uh, Sen's staff member, and the staff member told Wally they found it a little odd and presumptuous that Dorian would be saying that. He has two years left on his contract, but there are new owners set to take over, and the team did miss the playoffs for a sixth straight year. I mean, unless Dorian has pulled every single potential owner, this uh, does seem a little presumptuous to me. Yeah. He, he, well, everybody came to town. Did he go make a deal with every single one of them? That uh, Yeah, okay, look, if you get it, I stay, right? Uh, right. I, I, I like I find it hard to believe that anyone has given him a, a guarantee. Um, I find it there's a part of me that finds it hard to believe that he would be telling people that I, I, like I, I, I could understand him saying, look, I, you know, I'm going to operate status quo as if I'm going to be here next season. I could see him saying something along those lines. And then is it misinterpreted by a staff member as uh, as Pierre saying I'm going to be here? Um, but I mean, it, it, is there any other approach that he should be taking? Like, I, it's the only approach he should be taking is that, is that I'm going to be here. I've got work to do. There's, there's things to get done. And he rhymed off a list of things, uh, last week that, uh, or this past week, I guess that, that, uh, that he's got to get done. He talked about wanting to sign Branstrom. He talked about wanting to sign Hamannick. Uh, he, he discussed, top six options and included uh, your buddy Angus Crookshank in that conversation, Robbie Arventi and, and some of the other players down there that we don't hear so much about as being top six candidates for next season. So he's out there conducting business and acting as though he is the GM and will be for a long time. And I wouldn't expect him to do it any other way. 
He has been the general manager of the Ottawa Senators since the spring of 2016. So he's about to hit his seventh year in the position. Meanwhile, earlier today, or on Friday, I should say, Ron Hextall was fired. He was fired. Assistant GM Chris Pryor was fired in Pittsburgh. Their president of hockey operations, Brian Burke, was just a whole house cleaning in Pittsburgh. Hextall got that job in February of 2021. And so he was hired five years after Pierre Dorian. Isn't it interesting how the uh, the different markets out there in the NHL have very different tolerance levels for losing? This is the first time Sidney Crosby won't be in the playoffs. And it was they were right down to the wire. Like, they were closer than the Sens were. But uh, had a couple of tough games right at the end when uh, they needed Ws. They uh, they were they're losing to teams like Chicago at the end, not unlike the Sens did on that Western road trip. But it, it, here's the similarity to that situation to Ottawa: new ownership group came in last off season after they 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 left everybody in place for one year and then cleaned house. Right, right. That's that's a possible as as I alluded to earlier today. Uh, that's a possibility here. New ownership group comes in, gives it a year, checks it all out, then makes a decision. Ron Hextall did himself no favors, uh, kind of really a no-win situation. Like he, he, The best thing for him to do was to walk away from, out of Malkin, Latang, and Crosby, should have walked away from one of them, if not two of them. But kind of felt, all right, we got one more crack at it with the boys here, got to make it happen one more time, and then really did nothing at the trade deadline to help the group at all, and ends up uh, ends up costing him a job. It's always the hardest thing in the world to do, right? You know that father time is undefeated, even for guys like Sidney Crosby. We just saw Jonathan Taves this week. They decided to part company, and the player is of no value anymore. You you couldn't have traded him at the deadline, and you don't want to get to that stage. That's part of the art of being a GM, making really unpopular decisions sometimes to cut bait on guys when you know they still have great value, but... Within three, four years, they'll have none. With life moving so fast, don't you wish you could just freeze time? Well, that's what Jim K. Ford is doing for you because right now, when you custom order a new 2023 Ford Bronco from Jim K., you can lock in your factory order bonus of up to $1,000. And if there's a better incentive when you take delivery, you can choose that instead. It's that simple. Start your journey today at Jim K. Ford in Orleans or at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes. There always seems to be something going on with the Sens, and uh, certainly that was the case on Friday morning. They had their final media availability, and one of the things we learned, one of the concrete things we learned, is uh, not a big surprise, but it is news that defenseman Nick Holden will not be back with the team. He does hope to maybe latch on to a new team on July 1st, but he will be a UFA, and the Sens do not have him in their plans. A surprise to no one, but what a good pro, what a good guy. And what a what a masterful stroke of genius from Pierre Dorian to turn Yevgeny Davidov or Dadnov into Nick Holden. That was a bad contract, and he was able to erase that by bringing in a great veteran. Yeah, it's funny. You look at some of the trades that uh, Pierre Dorian's made over the years, and uh, the ones that stand out to me are ones like that, getting out from under Dadnov. 
getting out from under Matt Murray. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like really good, good deals. It, it didn't necessarily, you know, we're not bringing in, it wasn't the big trade to get Alex to bring it just as important. Some of these smaller deals that bring in a guy in a five, six role who can be a leader, who's an older guy, veteran presence, all that stuff. Uh, when all the trades and all the signings that were made over the years to bring in placeholder veterans holden was one of the few that he got right there's a long list of ones he got wrong but the holden one really got right because it also you got rid of the dud in evgeny there yeah travis hamannick also uh was part of this media availability today it was a steady stream of players coming through josh norris saying he's going to start skating next month which is good which indicates that you know he's going to have a a long summer of training and, and, and really strengthen that shoulder. But Hamannick spoke as well and spoke well of uh, Nick Holden. He said, you know what? Everybody gives him a lot of credit for uh, helping Jake Sanderson along. And he said, Nick Holden helped Jake Sanderson every bit as much as I did off the ice. On the ice, on the other hand, the guy was like 100% an NHL defenseman from day one. But uh, nice of Hamannick, who hopes to be back with the Sens. He says that's up to Pierre Dorian. But nice of Hamannick to give some accolades to Holden. And uh, what say you about uh, Hamannick's hope of coming back? Well, I know the Senators want him back. Uh, Pierre said as much uh, this past week of, uh, yeah, we'd like to have him around. If it comes down to where we're going to give you an extension, we'll sit down after the end of the year. Dorian uh, quoted as as saying about what he told Hamannick earlier. So it just comes down to to dollars and, and term, really. Uh, he'd like to see him come back for less money than he's making now and probably for only maybe two years or maybe only one if Hamannick would be willing to do that. I think the Senators would probably jump on it. But both sides want him here. It's just a matter of figuring out dollars and, and, and term. So you've got right now Shabbat, Chikrin, Zub, Sanderson. Those are automatics. Then you throw in Hamannick as your number five. You got Clevin and Brandstrom now. Are you buying into Clevin already? He's at a very sa- small sample size as he comes out of North Dakota. I thought he looked good, but I don't know that I've got him automatically penned in, particularly with the way Brandstrom looked in the second half of this season. Like he looked like a different defenseman to me. Where are you at in that conundrum? Oh, uh, if it's. It, 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 Take the names out of it, and let's just look at the height, weight, and the type of game they play. Like the the player, the the type of player we're talking about. Uh, Clevin, it's Clevin all day, every day. He's the guy that I want to be there playing every day. Whether he's ready mentally, whether he's ready uh, even physically, because it's a completely different schedule in the NHL than what he's been playing the last couple of years at uh, North Dakota. Uh Clevin's the guy I want. I hope he comes into camp and wins that job. Uh, having said that, Branstrom, uh, he's not even signed yet. I mean, Pierre did come right out and say that too. <laughs> he said, uh, obviously bringing him back, yes, was the quote from Pierre. So uh, I guess Branstrom's back. So then it really, if it comes down to is Hamannick around or not around, and then what are you doing with Thompson and JBD, and are they going to push for a job too? Uh, if it's me and you're saying I got to pick one, I'm picking Clevin over Branstrom. I certainly like the idea of Clevin better. I just haven't seen enough where I go, yeah. oh, yeah, for sure that's the guy. It, you know, it'd be nice to have some sort of Frankenstein hybrid of Branstrom and Clevin because they both possess what the other lacks. Clevin has a little more Branstrom game in him than Branstrom has Clevin game, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Uh, I, I just Clevin's feet concern me. Mm-hmm. You know, not not to the point where Sokolov's feet concern me oh. in terms of you know that's that's as Jr. always used to say the muddy boots type of skater. But there is a little of that with Clevin. I don't think he has the best feet in the world. So um, anyway, we'll see. It's uh, it certainly seems like they've got a defense that's pretty much set for next season. When you get down to it, I don't think they need to go shopping. But uh, depth is good. You know, you have Clevin and Branstrom, and only one of those guys gets a role with this team. We saw how injuries pillaged the blue line this year, so it's not a bad thing to have some depth there. No question about that. And Max Gannett didn't look bad in Buffalo either. He had, like, a great scoring chance, put one off the post. He had another one where it's like, could have one-timed it almost into an empty net. That's a player that's, you know, still very, very young. And uh, he heads back to Belleville, by the way, along with Sokolov and Sogard. Probably Sogard's, you know, kind of starting to fancy himself as an NHL player, and it must be kind of a drag to go back to Belleville for two <laughs> meaningless weekend games because uh, they are out of the playoffs down in Belleville. Well, that's what happens when you're you're not on a one-way deal, kid. You're still young. You're going to go. You're on that. Uh, you're on the Greyhound back and forth, Belleville, Ottawa. At least it's not a long trip. It could be yeah. worse. Yep, absolutely. It, like, it, it, you brought up Sokolov. That was the... Um, Pierre also brought up a couple of your buddies, Angus Crookshank, Cole Reinhardt, Robbie Yarventi, when he was asked about bottom six uh, next season. And he he brought those three guys up as internal candidates in Yarventi, Reinhardt, Crookshank, obviously you, in Sokolov and Greg. There's five guys who you look as being bottom six candidates. So what happens to guys like Austin Watson? Uh, what happens with uh, uh, Dylan Gambrell? Uh, it, it, there's there's going to be some change in the bottom six for sure. And I think we're all in agreement that some change is required there. And it looks like Pierre is well aware of that too, based on his recent comments. Yeah. I, I want speed in that bottom six. That's the biggest thing. And uh, Crookshank is a guy is a buzzsaw. He can fly around it there. He can chip in a little offensively. And uh, he's kind of Parker Kelly with a little more finish. The forgotten man, Parker Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. Broken uh, kneecap this year. And uh, certainly, I think if DJ Smith is back as head coach, there's a job for Parker Kelly here. He loves him some Parker Kelly. Kind of interesting to hear David Bell down as the head coach, the interim head coach of the Belleville Senators, referencing Crookshank uh, as not having a chance to be a top six NHL player. He's probably right, but I don't know you need to publicly say that and, and limit the ceiling on a young player who isn't really, you know, is only scratching the surface on his pro career. Well, I think anybody who's gone through major junior and minor pros it's, uh, has seen enough and had enough conversation with head coaches and assistant coaches and NHL GMs and has read enough scouting reports and everything to know what his ceiling projection is if he ever makes the NHL. I, I would think that Angus Crookshank is probably well aware that his future in the NHL, if he has one, is in a bottom six role. His, his best case scenario is a is a uh, third-line guy, I, I would think. He's, he's probably okay with it, but you're right. It doesn't look good when the coach says something like that and it's out there for you. I, you know, coach, did you really have to do that? But, you know, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think you need to say it. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a conversation you have behind closed doors and maybe even don't tell the player that. It's like... Language does matter when you're in these situations, and you you don't want to take away any player's fire. You know, if if they if they fancy themselves as that, maybe that's going to help them work harder. 
And uh, if you basically co- throw cold water on a particular dream, then maybe you're not getting the best out of the player, even if that's where you see him long-term in the NHL someday. But uh, yeah, anyway, small factor, no big deal. But uh, to close it out today, a couple others we wanted to talk about. Alex Debrinkit. we knew this. He says he'll be qualified. He's open to discussion on a long-term contract, but wants to talk to his family first. One of the things that's kind of interesting was that he said he had trouble finding a balance between or the fine line between the team's system and his own game. I found that kind of a uh, uh, telling statement because that does sort of speak to a guy because you, you, you're thinking everything's rosy, certainly gets along great with his teammates and such, but uh, he's only been here one year. It's not like he voluntarily came here. He was traded here, and uh, that, that that's a, just a little spark of discontent with his uh, – lot in life here in Ottawa. Something to keep an eye on, for yep. sure. Uh, as we've said all along, his his long-term decision probably has uh, as much to do with the coach and GM as it does with anything else. If he's going to stay or not, he wants to find out what's going on here, uh, long-term uh, management and coaching. So the Stanley Cup playoffs carry on without the Ottawa Senators. The Sens are going to park it for another season, and 16 teams will carry on without them and i wonder obviously we can get into this uh in the in the coming episodes but is there uh, a series right now and i'll here i'll give you all the series that uh, are coming up uh we got uh, boston florida leafs tampa carolina and the islanders and the devils and the rangers of the four eastern matchups which one are you gravitating toward i'm all over the two blue teams Nice. I want to watch that blue team first round and and see Steve because I know you you desperately require the one blue team to lose, but I think they're going to win. I think this the streak is going to be snapped this year. The Leafs are going to win the first round. How dare you? How dare you? And again, how do I do a blue team elimination? Watch when there are two blue teams playing. It's ridiculous. But we all know who the blue team is. It's the team that dare not speak its name, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. And uh, yeah, I think Boston, Florida is the other one I'm really interested in. Uh, Devils, Rangers would be good too. So I don't know if Carolina and the Islanders does much for me. But three of the four in the East should be good. Starts up Monday. And uh, Stanley Cup playoffs are upon us. The Sens season is in the books. They fall with a 4-3 overtime loss in Buffalo. And now the offseason begins. In our next episode, we'll uh, talk about Pierre Dorian's media availability on Monday. But for now, we'll call it a day. Greg, enjoy your your week, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Stephen. Have a good weekend. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.